Okay, so back to superheroes. Favorite superhero. What about over here? Iron Man. Okay, that's a good. That's a good vote. Anybody else? Favorite superhero? Captain America. Iron Man. Captain America. Doctor Strange is cool. And like, do you do you all like when you pick your favorite superhero? Is it based off of their superpowers? Anybody? Yeah, like you generally like, oh, I like this guy. Like, I, I think for me, I always liked Wolverine. He was my favorite. You know, and I mean, just, <laughs> right? Things coming out. Uh, and, and like, I, but I was thinking about this the other day as I was driving uh, about superpowers. And I, I was imagining, uh, imagining if, if churches had superpowers. Like, if a church had superpowers, what would their superpowers be? And I, I was... I was kind of joking around, you know, in my mind, I was talking to a couple of friends, I was texting them who are pastors in other denominations about their church's superpowers, and, you know, like, one, one of my friends, he's a Baptist pastor, and he's like, our, our superpower is the Bible, we, we're about the Bible, and I was like, that's a good superpower to have, is being focused on the Bible, and, and, uh, and I was just really kind of thinking about that and joking around, but then I started thinking about, like, what is, what is the vineyard superpower? You know, if, if churches had a superpower, if our church had a superpower, what would our superpower be? And what I mean by that is not, like, if you look at the, the heroes in the comic book world, like, superpowers don't make them better than the other superheroes, right? It just makes them unique, and as they're part of a team, they fulfill, you know, the team's uh, needs, right? And I was thinking about that. What's our church's superpower? And there's a couple of things that I, I think that are are pretty important for us. In number one, many of you may not even realize this, but our theology of the kingdom of God is one of our superpowers. Our theology of the kingdom of God is, is I mean, it is the foundation and framework for all the things that we do, like the decisions we make, the way that we, we do our music, the way that we think about communion, the way we think about the Bible, the way that we think about all the practices that we do, they come out of our theology of the kingdom. And our understanding of the kingdom is that it's both now and not yet. Jesus, he, he, um, he brought the kingdom, he inaugurated the kingdom, but the kingdom is not in its fullness right now. And we're waiting for the day that Jesus returns where the kingdom comes in its fullness. So we have this really robust theology of the kingdom. And that's a big part of who we are as a, as a movement. I think another superpower we have is our commitment to worship in the presence of God. Like, I think most of us realize that we're not just singing Christian karaoke, right? We're actually creating a space where we're encountering God, experiencing his presence, that, that when we sing these songs, it's more than just singing songs. I think that's one of our superpowers. Uh, I, I, I've also noticed being in the vineyard my whole life is that vineyards generally do a good job of keeping things in tension. You know, rather than being either or, we often are both and. We can see that, that there's tension. But for me, what has kept me rooted in our movement for the, the vast majority of my, our life is, is what I consider to be our, probably our most important superpower or distinction. And I think it's our theology of the Holy Spirit. It's our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, what he does. And, and so our theology of the Spirit, I think, is... Um, is our superpower because, A, I think it's biblical, as we're going to see over the next eight weeks. Um, I also think our theology of the Holy Spirit is accessible. And what I mean by that is, when I was growing up, I spent a few years in, 
a church tradition that is known for its uh, emphasis on the Holy Spirit. It was a classic Pentecostal church. My wife also grew up in a classic Pentecostal church. And I remember, and many of you know these stories, but I remember when I was a kid, I'd be driving to church, and I had a friend coming with me or coming to visit, and I'd be like praying that the Holy Spirit didn't show up. You know, I was like, Lord, just don't, the Holy Spirit, don't show up today. Like, don't be all weird, you know, because our, our church would, would have like these really weird things happen. And I, I'm not, I don't mean weird like I actually think those spiritual gifts are weird, but I'm saying to, an un, to a non-Christian person, and if those things happen and they're not explained, it's super weird. For example, we would have a moment in our church service where, uh, where the pastor would say, okay, everybody speak in tongues now. And literally 250 people would all be singing and shouting in tongues. And I knew what that means. I know that's in the Bible. I also think that there is a, a, um, uh, a way to do it that Paul lays out, and that's not it. <laughs> but, I, but I was more so like, my non-church, unchristian friends have got to think we're crazy. Like, there's no way, because just everybody randomly screaming syllables and sounds, right? Are you with me? Okay. So that would happen, and I'd just be like, oh my gosh. So literally, you know, Jesus, please don't show up today. Don't pour out your spirit. Lord, please be boring. Be Baptist. Be Baptist. Be Baptist. But um, so that, that was like, to me, was super inaccessible. And, and here's the reason why, and this is what I want to say. It's not that the spiritual gifts are bad by any means. I hope the Holy Spirit pours out on our church and that we can exercise and manifest the gifts of the Spirit. Absolutely. But what was inaccessible was that it was never explained. Like, I, I just never felt like anybody took the time to explain what was going on. Because here's what I found. I found this to be true. In 25 years of pastoring, I have found it totally true and accurate that when the Spirit actually is poured out and when there's authentic manifestations of the Spirit and it's pastored well, it's, it's explained non-Christian people seem to be okay with that. It's like, and I think for two reasons. A, it's hard to deny when God is actually doing something, first of all. And then second of all, once it's explained and it's like, oh, this is in the Bible. This is in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. This is the way it's supposed to be done. People are like, oh, okay, cool. It's in the Bible? All right. So, so I think that our theology of the Spirit is biblical. I think it's accessible meaning that we try our hardest to make things understandable and, and something that we can all participate in. And then I, I think the practicality of it is important too because I have gotten to the point in my life even more so is that if the things that we talk about on Sunday mornings aren't able to be applied Monday through Saturday, we have a problem. Are you with me? Like if, if you're... If your um, faith, if the things that you're engaging with here on Sunday mornings doesn't impact the way you live your life on Tuesday, then, then we're missing it, right? And so in fairness, I think church leaders, pastors, and teachers, we have to work hard to, ex to spend time in Scripture and, and show how it applies in the day-to-day -day life. Okay, that, That's one of our goals here at the Vineyard. So for me, being in a lot of different church movements over the course of my life, for me, I think our superpower, one of the things that makes us distinct, not better than, but something that we're really good at, is our theology and practice of the Spirit. And that's what we want to spend a little bit of time here over the course of the next seven weeks. Um, we're doing this sermon series that we're calling Empowered. And here's what's really neat. 
is this sermon that we're doing, the series that we're doing, is being done by hundreds of other vineyard churches all over the movement. And they'll be talking about it from different perspectives. And, you know, um, it's just really exciting to know that there's literally thousands and thousands of followers of Jesus who are going to be spending time thinking about the work of the Spirit and going to be leaning into that. So some of the things I want us to think about over the course of the next seven weeks are, are related to two things. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? And then number two is what does the Holy Spirit do? We want to talk about the person of the Spirit and we want to talk about the characteristics and activities of the Holy Spirit. And I found the reason why I feel like one of our superpowers is our theology of the Spirit is over the course of 25 years of pastoring and leading in churches, what I've consistently had people ask me about is the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot of confusion about the Spirit due to a lot of different reasons, but there's some, some cults, for example, do not believe that the Holy Spirit is God. They think that the Spirit is just a force that's out there, um, which is not what the Bible teaches. We, we see a, a plenty of, of evidence throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit is God. It's the third person of the Trinity. And so we're going to be talking about those things over the course of the next six, uh, seven weeks. And we're also going to be having resources on our social media pages that will help us lean into that. And, and so before we move on, I want you to think a little bit about this quote. This is from one of my favorite theologians on the subject of the Spirit. But listen to what Clark Pinnock says uh, in relation to the Spirit to get us started. This is one of those like juicy quotes. He says, the Spirit is elusive, but profound and worthy of adoration. If God the Father points to ultimate reality, and Jesus the Son supplies the clue to the divine mystery, Spirit epitomizes the nearness of the power and presence of God. And, and here's why I think this is a helpful quote for us to just get started is that what he's saying is that as you study the New Testament and the Old Testament, you study Scripture, what you'll see is that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the one who communicates or, or uh, mediates the presence and power of God. So, for example, in this room, what I love about our church is we've got a variety of different people from different backgrounds with different experiences. And so some of you in this room are introverts, and when I ask you to raise your hand, you're in a conundrum because you want to identify as an introvert because you want everybody to know, but you also don't want to let everybody know. And it's like a really challenging thing. We have introverts, but we also have extroverts. We have people who, who when you ask them, like, hey, what is the thing that you, you connect with God the most? They'll say, the music. I, man, the music was so powerful today. I got goosebumps, right? And then other people might say, you know, oh, it was when we received communion. There's all these different aspects of connecting with God in our, in our gathering, in our space. Um, but every time, this is what I think is important, every time that you sense and experience God, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's truth, any of those things happening, it's being mediated to you, meaning it's being communicated to you through the Holy Spirit, Okay. And so everybody in here, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about at a later date. But here's what I want to do this morning is I want to, I want to maybe just kind of lean into that question of who is the Holy Spirit. Really quickly, 
I'm going to just breeze through this, and then we're going to talk about some, a little bit of scripture, and then talk about some practical examples of it, okay? So these are five Christian beliefs. I'm going to go really quickly. The first one is this, that the Holy Spirit is God. As I already said that, there's numerous texts. You, if there's any question about the Holy Spirit not being God, it's all over the place, okay? All over the place. And one of the clearest examples of the person who the Spirit, by the way, really quickly, is if you look in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus, when describing the Spirit, keeps referring to the Spirit in personal pronouns, he and whom. And there's other cults out there that will say, in their translation of the New Testament, which is not a good translation, they will say things like, oh, the Holy Spirit is a, is a force and a power, and they deny the personhood of the Spirit. But Jesus considers the Spirit a, a person. He uses all these personal pronouns. So the Holy Spirit is God, number two, the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. Jesus says in John 6 that the only way to experience life is through the Holy Spirit. We also see in Genesis 1-3, in creation in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to say that the Spirit hovered over the waters of the sea. So that creation, the Spirit's there. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation. As I just mentioned, He mediates redemption in our lives. You cannot be a follower of Jesus without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. All right? It's like impossible. In fact, Jesus, uh, Jesus teaches this, but then Paul says in 1 Corinthians that no one can confess that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So like, I, I think that's great because some of us in this room are like, I've never experienced the Holy Spirit. Like I grew up in that state for a long time. I like, have friends that, you know, have all these emotional experiences, and I'm like, man, why doesn't God love me? Why don't I ever have that happen? And, and what I love is that as I studied Scripture, I realized that I had had numerous exper experiences with God because every time that we move towards Jesus, anytime we have more love for God in our hearts, that's the Spirit's work in our life. And I, I, I had this experience, uh, I've had this numerous times, but like someone will come and say, Luke, I want to meet with you. And I'm like, let's talk. And they'll say, I just, I just don't feel like, like the Spirit's at work in my life at all. And I'm just struggling. And my faith is really struggling. And I just don't know if God, God loves me. And I just, want, I just want God's presence more in my life. And I'm like, time out really quickly. Okay? The fact that you want more of God's presence in your life is evidence that you have more of God's presence in your life. Are you with me? Like, we don't naturally, like, want God's presence. Like, if we're in control of things by our human nature and our flesh, what do we want? The opposite of God's presence, right? And so it's an evidence of the Spirit's work. So the Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation. The Holy Spirit inspired the writing of Holy Scripture. What Peter says is that, that the Holy Spirit carried the writer's the prophets of the Old and the New Testament along and inspired them. And then finally, this is what I think is really important for us, is that the Holy Spirit is the enabler, encourager, and empowers the church. And there's so many different texts about that. And that idea of encouragement is really important. Uh, you may have heard the idea that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Anybody ever heard that? Okay. And that comes from a Greek word where Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16, he keeps referring to the Holy Spirit as the comforter. Uh, it comes from a Greek word, parakletos. And, and what that word actually probably better means is the idea of being the fortifier, the strengthener. 
And it's the same word that's used to like describe a fortification system. So in other words, the, the Holy Spirit helps fortify us and encourage us and strengthen us in the midst of really challenging times as well as other experiences. So this is, this is our sermon series in a nutshell right here. The next seven weeks, we're going to be touching on different aspects of, of these things. And for this morning, what I want to do is I want to lean into something Jesus said in John t- chapter 7. But before we do that, I'd love to just pray for us for a minute. Heavenly Father, um, I feel like today could be a day that, that changes the course of some of our lives. Today might be the day that someone makes a first-time decision to receive the grace of God through Jesus. Uh, today may be the first time that someone says, hey, you know what, I, I really want to surrender all of my life to Jesus. Maybe this is a day where somebody who's been really wrestling with and struggling with certain things, certain practices, certain sins, certain habits, certain certain um, rhythms, whatever it is, God, but they're saying, hey, I, I need you, Jesus, to help me by your spirit through that. And so, Lord, would you, by your spirit, have your way this morning? I, I love, God, that that you can simultaneously be involved in every single person's life in this room. And that we could have 150 different issues going on and you can meet every one of those issues. And it's great, that's comforting to us, God. And so help us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. So Jesus makes a really interesting statement here And it's one of the texts that I want to start with because I think this passage here, it really should challenge you and encourage you to personally, not the person sitting next to you, but you. It should challenge you to be more hungry about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you why. This is what Jesus says. It says in John 7, on the last day, the climax of the festival... Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Just think about that. Jesus stands up and he shouts at the crowds. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. It is so good. Then he says, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So pause for a minute. Jesus is saying, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If you are parched, come to me and drink, because out of you will flow rivers of living water, right? And then, this is what I love about John, who wrote this gospel. He puts this parenthetical statement. He says, when Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. Did you hear that? Everyone believing in Jesus is given who? The Spirit, right? The Spirit. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into His glory. In other words, this is pre-death of Jesus on the cross, pre-resurrection, pre-ascension. And what John is saying is that after that happens, 
And after Pentecost, which is in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men and your young men will dream, have dreams and visions. And it will be a cataclysmic, cosmic change in all of redemptive history. Guess what? We live in that age right now. That's the beautiful part about it. We're not like, man, I sure hope that someday we get the Spirit. Because that's how you guys all talk. I don't know. We <laughs> that, it's not like that. We actually live in a stage of redemption, in redemptive history, to where that event, those events have happened. Jesus has entered into his glory, and the Spirit has been poured out. And those who believe receive the Spirit, right? So, I mean, when I think about this passage, and I've, I mean, I love John's gospel is just like gold mine, gold mine. It's diamond in the rough. It's so beautiful. But what, what this does for me is it, it really does, I think, challenge the lackadaisical, lazy, non, non-caring, non-engaged faith that exists in a lot of our lives. I've had that happen at different stages in my life. But what, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, if you come to me and you receive the living water, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water, right? And he's speaking about the Spirit. The Spirit brings life. The Spirit brings refreshment. The Spirit brings renewal. I mean, all the things that we regularly need is available to us through the Spirit, right? That's why I think this is such an important thing. So what I want to do really quickly, I want to share three quick stories. Three quick, very quick, quick little stories slash observations uh, where the Spirit has been at work in my life and has been super, super helpful. First one, the Holy Spirit can help restore, renew, recenter your marriage if you're married. Okay, if you're not married, sorry, I can't help you. But like Don and I, we we get married, and and I fell in love with Don pretty much the minute I I saw her uh, because she baked me cookies, and I was like, we should get married. And uh, but we I I met her, and I was like, oh, she's sweet. She's also best friends with my sister. I could annoy my sister if I date her. We should go out. We start dating. And we met in September. And by October of the next year, we were getting married. And, I mean, it was the most amazing, magical first 24 hours of my life being married. And then after that, it was like, whoa, this is hard for me. And, uh, and it, it got, like, harder. And as we got married, we both, we've, like, talked about this before, like, we're the, we're the oldest of our families, so what we've both determined is that, generally speaking, and you can give me an amen if you agree, the oldest sibling is always probably the most stubborn. Right? That's what all the research shows. Okay, some of you, some of you are oldest, and you're like, that's not true. You're stubborn right now about being stubborn. What is your problem? Just admit it, all right? So the oldest, we get married, and like, we're, you know, we're just trying to figure out life. And then, super smart, let's have kids. And we, we start having kids. And I think by, this is, so fast forward, I want to say we're like 27, 28. I'm now, I've been a senior pastor of a church for like three years. We've got, I don't know how many kids at the time, three or four, three, four, three, four, might as well be five, who knows. And we're like, just not, we are, we do not like each other, Okay. I mean, it was, my yeah, we were, it was a struggle, okay? Because like everything that she did was annoying, 
and she was so mean, and you all know, you've seen her, right? Uh, <laughs> okay, all right, full disclosure, obviously not true. I was, I was a lot of the problem, significant, right? Amen? Help me out here. Okay, thank you. So it's challenging. We're like, it's, like, it's really, really rough. And, and then what happened, so I'm pastoring a church, and all of a sudden, like, my first meeting ever to do, like, pastoral care is this couple comes and says, hey, Luke, we'd really like to meet with you. And I'm like, oh, great, uh, let's meet. And this couple had uh, some interesting significance in my life because uh, she had been one of my teachers when I was in high school. And they were in their 90s, had been married for over 70 years. They sit down in my office, and they're like, Luke, we need some marriage counseling. And I'm just, and in, I remember when they sat, like to this day, I remember when they sat down, in my mind I was like, oh no. Like, what am I going to tell them? Yeah, be like my marriage. Because like Don and I just did, we just did not get along. We just fought all the time and and so, I, I, and I just did not know what to tell him. So I was like, if you read the book of Proverbs, that will help. <laughs> and like, they came for three weeks and they're like, oh yeah, we're good. We're good. Uh, <laughs> so, and it was like a year or two later, all of a sudden, like more and more people are coming like, hey Luke, we'd like to talk about doing some marriage counseling with you. And I'm like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing in my own marriage. And when I was in, in grad school the first time, I, my emphasis was in New Testament theology. Like, I'm a trained theologian. I took the least amount of pastoral classes as I possibly could. So I'm like, I feel like I have nothing to offer here. So I talked to a friend of mine. And um, I'm like, hey, Tom, you have your master's in marriage and family counseling. Is there any possible way that we could get together and you could train me on doing some, like, just some helpful tools and resources for people's marriages. And Tom, who had hung out with Don and I a number of times, he's like, yes, I would love to train you. I could give you all the tools. And he's like, why don't you, Don, you and Don come on up, and then I'll, I'll train you on all the, all the resources. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I'm like, Don, we're going to go up there, and we drive. It was an hour drive. We fought the whole entire way because she's mean. And we get there. We sit down, and he says, he's like, yeah, so the best way to train you on how to do counseling, so I'm thinking, like, I'm going to get, like, a 10-step process, right? He's like, the best way to do it is to do counseling for you and Don. And I'm just like, you son of, I'm you, I was like, what? I'm, like, looking at her, I'm like, did you tell him? And, uh, and so we sit down, and he's like, yeah, I'll just do, like, we'll do, like, six or seven sessions, and you can kind of see the resource that I can train you on. I'm like, okay, cool thanks. And he's like, so we're going to do communication, and that's what we do. And he lays out what we're going to do. We're going to share, and you know, like, you guys will open up and share a really important, challenging issue, um, and then we'll talk about it and resolve it. And I'm like, cool. So I looked at Don, and you know how when you give someone the look of like, don't say anything? Keep it low. I leave the toilet up. Yeah, that's a good one. Pick that one to be our issue. All right? I was very clear. I communicated those things, all right? What she got was, tell him everything that we've ever gone through, ever, for all time. And so she lays it out there, and I'm just like, no! And, but then, this is where I want to talk about the Spirit really quickly. I, like, I, I sensed, I mean, I really did, I sensed the Holy Spirit's presence in the room. 
And it was like the most, it was so obvious that the Spirit was there. And like, I think we were at a stage in life where we would not get divorced because we're like, no, we're followers of Jesus. Our parents will not approve of that. It's too much. I mean, we had all these things that we just, that's not an option. We're just going to be unhappy forever. That's what the, the Lord has called us to. That's where we're at, all right? And, and so there's all this, like, just terrible pain and unforgiveness and all this just tragic stuff, okay? And I sense the Spirit's presence in the room. And we have the, like, we, it was the first time that I think we both ever felt like we were understood. Like, we, we just used this model that we got training on and that we do now. And we, like, I walked away and I was like, oh, my gosh, I, we're able to communicate now. We're, we can have a good marriage now. And it was funny because we got in the, so I was like, like, I'm like, I'm already a communicator. I was like, oh, I want to talk all the time now. We got in the car and I'm like, do you want to talk? She's like, don't talk to me for the rest of the hour. I'm like, oh. Because she was like processing it, you know, it was introvert, extrovert moment, right? But what I saw in that moment is that the spirit, the spirit, the, the Holy Spirit is able to in, enter into the daily mundane challenging situations we find ourselves in and is able to bring restoration, redemption, reconciliation, renewal, refreshment, whatever. And, and here's the other side of the coin, because some of us in this room, like that's not our story. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you're currently going through divorce. Maybe you're going through some challenging things. Here's the reality is that the Spirit can be present in every one of those circumstances and after the fact can bring healing and restoration and redemption and renewal. Like, that's the good news, is it's never too late. There's never too late. Let's stand up together. I was going to share three. You get one. <clears throat> I'm just going to pray quick. Mel's going to do something. I don't know. Um. Yeah, like, 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 I think it'd be, I think it'd be weird if we talked about the Spirit, and and welcomed the Holy Spirit, desired the work of the Spirit, and didn't have some space for the Spirit to, to be present with us and us to respond to Him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do: just close your eyes if that's if you're comfortable with that. You don't have to. It's not like a secret thing you do, and all of a sudden you have you know, charismatic experiences. But if that helps you to be able to, like, maybe focus on hearing from God, it, it may be helpful. So, And we have this prayer that we pray in the vineyard. It's been something we've been praying for a long time where we pray, come Holy Spirit. And it's actually a prayer that's thousand plus years old of the church praying, come Holy Spirit. And it's not because the Holy Spirit's not been here, because the Bible teaches that he indwells every one of us as followers of Jesus. But when we pray, come Holy Spirit, what we're doing is we're articulating our desire for the Spirit to be present and active in, our, in this room. So we can all, I mean, you can pray right now, come Holy Spirit. It's the desire for the Spirit to come. So Holy Spirit, we do welcome you in this place. We thank you that you've been here this entire time and that 
throughout the last hour and, and change, you've been doing work. You've been speaking to us. You've been encouraging. You've been convicting. You've been, you've been active, God. I think along the same lines of um, of the Holy Spirit wanting to work in our lives, He is the Holy Spirit is present in all of our situations, in all of our difficulties, in all of the exciting times. The Holy Spirit is present, and one thing that uh, just stirred in my heart while Luke was um, talking and sharing some stories is that um, that God wants to change um, the course of our lives. You know, um, we just had Christmas, we had Easter, uh, we had uh, time with our families when the kids are out of school. Um, some of those are challenging times Lord, and, and being with family that you don't see all, all the time. Um, God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in every single situation. He's present. And my prayer for us now is that um, we would not just say, come Holy Spirit here on a Sunday morning, but invite the Holy Spirit in your home. Invite the Holy Spirit in your car. Invite the Holy Spirit in your conversations with your neighbors and family members on the phone, whatever it is. So, if anyone would like to receive prayer today, I want to encourage you that this is a safe place. We all love being here, and I hope that newcomers or people that haven't been here that long, I hope that you feel welcomed. And it's time to change the, um, just the course of your life. I just, I think to put that into practice for a moment, um, I'd like to, before we close in prayer, I'd love to say, if you're here and you're, you're connecting with some of this, um, one thing to start doing, and right now you, you can just say, God, I want to do this, is every single day, start your day by saying, Holy Spirit, will you guide me today? Can you imagine what that would look like if everybody started their day with just asking the Holy Spirit to guide us? You might be really surprised by where he takes you. Amen? All right, Don's going to close us in prayer and then we'll talk to you soon. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you that um, it's just in our schedules, Lord, to give give our time up for you, Lord. And um, I pray that throughout this week, Lord, that um, starting today, that it'll be new. Our... our um, this new season, Lord, will be new in our everyday lives, Lord. The direction will be different, Lord, that we will open up our, the, as soon as the alarm turn goes off, that we will say, come Holy Spirit, and that we will invite you in, in our everyday life, Lord. I pray that you would just renew us today for the duration of the week. And that we would just take one day at a time, one conversation at a time, and that the, we would see um, and we would witness the Holy Spirit just unravel different um, conversations, 
different meetings, different gatherings. Lord, we know that you are present in those. And pray that you would just bless this time. In your holy name, amen.